You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for June 7th, 2020, the first Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Justin Crisp. It's based on Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 4a. Hi. What a week we have had. Our nation and our neighborhoods already in the middle of a pandemic, already from what have seemed three straight months of death and illness and stress and financial catastrophe have been rocked by the gruesome killing of George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man by a police officer named Derek Chauvin a little under two weeks ago. We have been made freshly aware as a people of the way that the sin of racism continues to corrupt so much of our common life and of the egregious inequities that continue to marginalize people of color, squelch their opportunities, and imperil their lives. On Wednesday, Father Peter, Reverend Elizabeth, and I sent a pastoral letter to you, the people of the parish, about George Floyd's death, every word of which I stand behind, and which we will make available on our website if you've not yet had a chance to read it. It was a call to lament, to honor, to act, and to pray. And I know that we are, all three of us, incredibly and deeply grateful to each of you who has reached out to us in the past week to share the thoughts of your hearts about the letter or the sin of systemic racism or anything that is facing our country at this time. I believe in the holiness of the people of St. Mark's. I believe in your holiness. I know that we are a people devoted to seeking the face of Christ in our world, and that we are all striving as best as we know how to act justly and humbly in these difficult but potent days. And I I want to say a word of particular thanks on behalf of our community to two among us, Lee Sleast and Tom Jones, both of whom have made extraordinary offerings of their time and grace and leadership to us this week in reflecting on their lives as black Americans and disciples of Christ and the sense they make of our past, our present, and our future. If you, hadn't, if you haven't yet had a chance to watch Lisa's blog with Father Peter or you missed Tom's 9 o'clock forum, which just ended Please do catch them at some point in the next week. I cannot, (laughs) I'm hard-pressed to think of a more beautiful thing you could do for you or for your community or for our world or for our Lord than to engage Lise and Tom in this way. And more in that vein will surely come in the days to follow as we redouble our commitment as a parish to racial reconciliation and healing and together seek the face of Christ in a broken but worthy world. And that's what I want to speak with you about this morning. 
about seeking the face of Christ or (laughs) asking ourselves, where has God been in the past two weeks? To answer that question or to begin to answer it, I think we need to know a little bit about who God is. That is, I think we need to know a little bit about the particular, peculiar God that Christians believe in. And that brings us to the doctrine of the Trinity, the feast of which we celebrate this morning. Christians believe in a God who not only is loving, a God that is for whom loving is a description or an attribute, like a compliment. (laughs) You're so loving. God is so loving. But rather, Christians believe in a God who is in God's own constitution and character, love itself. Love all the way down. God is not just loving. God is love. And that's how the author of the first letter of St. John can say, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in them. Now, we ought not to mistake St. John's words for a hallmark card platitude, as though John was reducing the God of the universe to that warm, fuzzy feeling we feel in our bellies whenever we think about our friends or our favorite cheeseburger. Instead, we ought to magnify love. We ought to magnify our perspective on love until it contains the breadth and the depth of God himself. To zoom out, as it were, until we can see that love of the truest sort is a partaking in the very being of God himself. What dusty, old, and nerdy theologians like me call uncreated grace or a participation in the divine nature. To love in this way, which the ancients called charity, is to share in the very life of God, whose essence is love itself. No one knows, really, what it means for God to proceed from God's self, as we say God does in the creed, as we will in just a moment. No one knows, that is, what it means for the Son to proceed from the Father or for the Spirit to proceed from the Father and the Son. We use metaphors like begetting and being breathed forth to describe these processions of the Son and the Spirit, but we can be sure those don't come even close to being adequate to the mystery that the processions are. The best we can do, I think, is to recognize that each of the three persons depends on the other two for all that it has and all that it is, for its own existence, in fact. The Father gives not just some, but all of who the Father is and has over to the Son. The Father with the Son then in turn, giving not just some, but all of who they are and have to the Spirit. 
And then the Son and the Spirit, giving not just some, but all of who they are and have back, so to speak, to the Father. I know that this sounds unconvincingly abstract, okay? I get it. But the point of the Trinity is that God's very life is gift, is love, and that human beings are most themselves, most who we were made to be, most in the image of God when we love in this way. And that's where God is in our history. Wherever we see love of that divine sort. Love that looks like Jesus. Jesus being the perfect human translation, as it were, of this triune life of perfect love. Perpetually given and perpetually received. What that life looked like, what Jesus' life looked like, was the human version of God's own peculiar manner of being. It being God's perpetual business always to give and to give and to give some more, to give life to himself in Trinity, to give life to our world as our creator. And Jesus' human life was one of perpetually putting himself on offer, giving and giving and giving some more putting himself on offer to others and to our world. It being the case that as a human being living in a world of sin, Jesus could not guarantee that his gift of himself would always be received, not to mention reciprocated. But he offered himself anyway, offered himself as the Son offers himself in the Trinity, without reserve, or inhibition, or coercion. That's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus was. Jesus was love on offer, which is to say, he was God. That's why his birth was heralded by a star which gathered people of multiple cultures and classes. That's why he turned water into wine rather than let the party stop. That's why he gathered a ragtag team of nobodies and miscreants as his closest friends from poor fishermen who had been churned up and left behind by the economy of their day, to tax collectors, who were, I think we can say, among the least woke people in Israel. That's why he healed the sick and cast out demons, setting people free from anything that kept them from being fully alive. That's why he wept for Lazarus and fed the 5,000. That's why he told us to turn the other cheek and to pray for our enemies. That's why he overturned the tables in the temple when he saw that the poor in his community were being marginalized by exploitative 
practices, but barely said one word in his own defense when put on trial in front of Pontius Pilate. That's why he died asking his father to forgive those who were in the process of killing him. That's why he died for us, for us lowlifes and ingrates, and died not while stoically praying the Psalter, but while screaming in blood-curdling pain and despair. That's why his resurrection took time, took some 40 hours of patience. That's why he sent his sins, his Holy Spirit, to console and to strengthen him after he had ascended to the Father. That's why so many of them died, just as he did, on crosses which were not just theirs, but his. And that's why on May 25th, when George Floyd died, unable to breathe and crying out for his mother, Jesus Christ died again beneath the knee of a man sworn to protect him. He died again with him, with George, and in George, just as really, just as unjustly, and just as grotesquely as he did in the first century. And that's why he has been walking alongside people of color through the valley of the shadow of death for generation after generation after generation. That's why he has been marching this week with peaceful protesters across our country demanding an end to police brutality and to the racist cultures and policies which afflict some police departments that have made deaths the likes of Mr. Floyd's such a grievous and unfortunate part of our national life for decades in stunning contradiction of the ideals for which we were founded. And that's why he looked on with dismay this week, I believe, beside those whose businesses, jobs, or livelihoods already under unbelievable stress because of the pandemic were destroyed by bad actors who had infiltrated the protests and added violence to violence. That's why he rode in the ambulance beside police officers who were shot this week. That's why he cried angrily or anxiously with protesters who were gassed this week. That's why he took a knee alongside chiefs of police and other officers who were moved by compassion and mediated conversations with demonstrators and cops and handed out masks and water bottles and hand sanitizer to protesters. And that's why he has moved the hearts of an unbelievable number of people in our nation, the great majority of whom now share the conviction that enough is enough and that widespread change is necessary. And that's why I believe he sits today in a prison cell next to Derek Chauvin, refusing ever to give up his soul. And that's why he will win. That's why he cannot be stopped, because God is love on offer forever and all the way down. And God will continue to give himself to our world and to us until by his grace we look like him who is the, in, the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't know where this God of ours is going. But I know that he is on the move and that we know just where to find him. In the name of the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You can find more sermons on our website, 
at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.